Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. guys, it's Anna, David, with After Party Pod. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Love that you are. Uh, welcome if you're new. It's a podcast all about addiction and recovery and <clears throat> occasionally mental illness, occasionally um, other things. Today, uh, I have an amazing guest. We'll get to that in a second. This is a Saturday afternoon. I do not uh, record these usually on the weekends because um, as a sort of confirmed workaholic, I have a bit of a deal with myself that I will not work on the weekends. It took me such a long time to get there. I don't know if you all relate to that, but literally, I remember the day that my mom called me on a Saturday and said, what are you doing? And I said something that wasn't working. And she said, I am so proud of you. So, but this guest, I was so excited to have him that I was willing to do it because he is a comedian, but unlike most comedians, he actually is employed. And so he is not available during the work day. And so, uh, we had to do it today, which is fine. Um, although I'm, I've sort of just behind the eight ball a little bit. I am, I'm a, some, I'm a somebody who sort of pops eyes pop open at six thirty. excuse me or seven in the morning. And it's unfortunate because it doesn't matter how late I go to sleep. That's just sort of what my body clock likes to do. And today my my body clock decided to take a little bit of a breather, got up at like nine and have been hustling all day. I, I need that two and a half hour situation to kind of get the stuff done. I have some concerns, by the way, I have a new neighbor who moved in and I have some concerns that she does not understand um, it's not that she's loud. It's that she doesn't understand what loudness is. And there's a difference because she hasn't done something that's particularly loud, but there's just this general, uh, vibe. It's like lots of windows open and lots of electronics on and I'm hearing her and she's definitely got a different, different hours that she keeps than me. And it's waking me up and <sighs> have some concerns and, you know, uh, this might be alcoholic thinking. I love my apartment more than I've ever loved any place I've ever lived, including the beautiful home I grew up in. And I literally am just like, I have to move. I have to move. Where am I going to move? I can rent. So I, I mean, it's immediately where I go rather than I'll get a louder sound machine. Um, my new concept today is I'm going to actually just move my bed across the room. Um, but anyway, I know that you guys downloaded this podcast so that you could hear about this. So I'm so sorry, but I do have to move on. Um, wh- uh, what else do I want to tell you? I am launching a new podcast. I've been mentioning it lately. Uh, I'm not ready to say the name. Maybe I am. Uh, a couple of you, uh, and when I say a couple, I mean, I think 10 to 15 people who have sent me emails over the years telling me that they 
uh, like this podcast. I emailed all of those people. I picked like the 10 nicest emails. I'm going to be nice. Maybe it was 15. I don't remember. And I emailed them and I said, I'm starting this new podcast. Would you give it a listen and let me know your thoughts? And I got some amazing notes from those people and have incorporated it. And I'm going to be releasing this new one with a bang. I'm going to release three up front, put it out there. Um, I already have a website up. Um, God, maybe I should just tell you that, that you can't go get it yet, but it's called You've Got Issues with Anna David. And uh, the, the website, which doesn't have much on it yet, is Issues with Anna. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. If you would like to know about that podcast, which has all sorts of bells and whistles and other things, please go sign up for my newsletter, which is annadavidnewsletter.com, and uh, you will be the first to be notified about this. But really what we're here talking about is After Party. After Party Pod is a part of After Party Magazine, which is a magazine all about addiction and recovery. Uh, We are part of rehabreviews.com. If you are looking for treatment, we have more reviews of rehabs than any other publication in the world. We post 10 new ones a day. Uh, rehabs that are, you know, from the, we have a rehab that's $100,000 a month and we have plenty of rehabs listed that are free. So if you are looking for that for yourself or someone else, that is the place to go. Uh, you can find us all over the interwebs. You can follow, uh, get information about this podcast and After Party Magazine at on Twitter at After Party Site. You can find us on Facebook at the After Party Group. And we're on Instagram, all this stuff. Go, Just go to After Party Magazine. You'll get all this info. And now I'm going to talk about today's guest. Uh, he is a actor and comedian who writes on... Um, well, Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch, and now he's writing on, now I've already forgotten the name, but it's Craig Ferguson has a very similar show uh, that, uh, well, he, we, we get to the name on the on the episode, but he also performs all over, and he has a, a very popular show at the Improv here in LA where uh, big comedians come and sort of, as they say, work out their material, uh, like Dimitri Martin and... Um, other Maria Bamford and all these other people. And he performs at the comedy store, West side comedy theater, uh, all over the place. And he also has been performing at the storytelling show, the moth. And he was in the after party storytelling show. We talk a lot about that in this episode. So I am not going to dwell on that here. His name is bill Dixon. He's got, I'm, I'm going to say the craziest story yet. Uh, to ever appear on this show. I knew it already because it's a story he told at this last show, but it is, it is, uh, dark and, uh, intense and you will, uh, be amazed. He came out of it, uh, as well as he did. It's, um, the guy's a, the guy's an inspiration. So here, I'm going to give you Bill Dixon. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my god, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So, Bill, thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I I am excited to have you here because I got to know you in a kind of strange way in that I did not know you, reached out to you to do the show, heard a very intimate story. Yes. So we have never spoken except to be 
part of performance. Yes. Which is the way it should be. I mean, who needs I agree. conversation? It's disgusting. It's so boring. I know. And pointless. It's, I don't know why we do it. No. I might stop after this. Yeah. I'm going to get going. This, uh, is, this was fun. Thank you. <laughs> no, this counts because people are going to be listening, so it matters. Okay. Do you remember in um, Truth or Dare when uh, Madonna, Warren Beatty says to Madonna, you don't even want to exist unless you're on camera? I haven't seen that movie. Oh, my God. Well, you are oh, male. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm male. Um, I think, and you're not, you should probably, you're not a Madonna aficionado of sorts. I wouldn't say an aficionado. I'm a, I'm familiar with her body of work. Right. You're not, um, you wouldn't even say a fan clearly. Cause you didn't use that word. No, I, I don't think a fan. No, here's the thing. When like a virgin comes on, mm-hmm. I get down. Okay. That sounds like a fan, frankly. Yeah, but I mean, I don't seek it out. No. It's like no. a nice little surprise when it happens. It's like candy corn. It's like you don't really seek out candy no, corn. No, but no. when it's presented to you, you go, oh, wow, candy corn. Yeah. And Halloween, you put it in your man. mouth, and then you realize you don't like candy corn. Um, speak for yourself. Um, my favorite food is peanut butter. Just across the board? That's your favorite food? Mm-hmm. It's not really... A food? I don't know. It's Disagree. that's in a real. It's like it it straddles the line between condiment and food. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's on a thing, but you you just go. Oh, you can eat it out of a jar. Don't be silly. So you just go straight spoon and jar. But you could. Oh, totally. Um, I, I mean, I, you could also, you know, do that with mayonnaise. Drive your oh. car through the window of a McDonald's if you want to. You could do anything you want to but in this life. I believe there are people. I, I, I really sh- we should focus a little. So I, I apologize for this diversion so early on. But if you've ever had the um, yeah, the let's cho- get back to Madonna. The, cho- <laughs> the chocolate and peanut butter mix from Whole Foods. I have not. Oh, Bill, you have not seen Truth or Dare. I know. You've never had the chocolate and peanut butter mix. Like, what should I start a doing? list? I need a pen and paper. I, I'm just wondering what you've been together. doing with your time. Apparently, wasting my life. Apparently so. Um, but here's my segue. You have not been wasting your life because you're sober. Yes. <laughs> Do you like that? <laughs> that was seamless. <laughs> what? How long are you sober? Uh, seven years and some odd months. Mm-hmm. 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 And um, what I do not know is sort of the, uh, the, the story of your addiction. The so story gonna... of my addiction. Well, I, I would love to start with the story that you told yeah. um, at the show, not telling it as a story. Okay. Not, you know. Yeah. But, but so uh, let's tell the listeners about, um, first of all, how your parents met. Oh, my parents met in rehab, mm-hmm. which is super fun and exciting. Romantic. And yeah, a totally romantic. Um and so naturally, I'm an addict as well and a comedian mm-hmm. um, because you have to be. Um, so they met in rehab. Then they had me the next year. And then when I was five, my dad left. And then when I was 12, my mom killed herself. And then I went into rehab when I was, well, I became an addict mm-hmm. as as people who are products of rehab people tends to be right or do uh, you think you were born an addict do you think yeah. you became an addict oh sure but just my dna yeah really fucked me yeah yeah i hear you also situationally just growing up like yeah. that all all the things kind of perfect conspired to yeah. make you a you know somebody who could put your but in a church basement seat right totally absolutely well um where were you growing up uh, I was born in Queens, New York, and then after my dad disappeared, 
me and my mom kind of bounced around for a while. She was manic depressive, bipolar. Uh, she didn't have more than a year or sober at any given point. So we did a lot of bouncing around mm -hmm. places. And I kind of ended up in the general Philadelphia area. Mm -hmm. um, so did most of my growing up there. Then after my mom uh, passed away, I stayed in the Philadelphia area with uh, a stepdad and a step-grandmother, and then I bounced around between different friends' houses, and mm. it was it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, but yeah, and then when I was 23, I went into rehab because I was crazy. Um, and how do you think you turned out so well? Wow, thank you. Oh, please. Number one. Come on. I turned out so well. I don't know. I mean... I don't feel like that. Given, you know, given your history, you don't feel like that. It's hard. It's hard to ever feel like that about yourself. Don't you think? Do you feel like you're wonderful? How do you feel about okay. yourself? Well, no, I would never say I feel like I'm, I'm wonderful, but I would absolutely say I feel like I turned out quite well. Right. You know? Yeah. I have difficulty giving myself credit yeah. for yeah. that kind of stuff. It feels indulgent or something. Right, I don't know. Right, right. Well, so I don't know how much I can sort of poke at your childhood. Poke. Really? Poke away. Okay, okay. Listen, we already got into Madonna. Right. And we, we already got into peanut butter. We really went into the deep stuff. So just dive no, in. No, but it's, I mean, so, so how aware were you of your mother's mental illness when you were growing up? Um... Imagine growing up on a sailboat, only you're always in a storm. Mm -hmm. It was normal, but at the same time, you're like, this isn't great. It, it, was, it, was, it was my baseline existence, that kind of madness. And it wasn't until I was about maybe nine or 10 that I started seeing other people and how their lives were that I really became cognizant of the fact that um this was very dysfunctional right. the way i was i was growing up her her um my mother's kind of uh arc or trajectory was kind of like what she would do is is she would get sober for about six months and then she would relapse in such a fashion where um she would either disappear where it would just be like she wouldn't pick us up from school. I have a bro I have a little brother. Mm -hmm. uh, either it would she would just disappear for a few months at a time, or um, she would relapse in the house, and and that would mean her getting blackout drunk, passed out on the couch, shitting, pissing on herself, and then only getting up to drink more, and then to resume her position back on the couch. And it, it was it was um, chaotic in a way that that I find most alcoholics aren't. Yeah. Um, there would be no sober period in that. She would be permanently... Um, around the clock. Around the clock. Not not even... Wait, like, can't feed herself, can't feed me. Um, so, so it was very aggressive, uh, her addiction. And um, in a way that that's commonly associated more with with almost like heroin addiction right. more than um, Just alcoholism, I, I find. Um, 
So that was kind of, that was, that was the life for a while. And then I'd watch TV and you'd see sitcoms and stuff like that. And I assumed that was all fabricated and it is, Yeah. but, um, you, th- you assumed it was far more fabricated than it was. Right. I was like, this is hysterical. Right. Like, what are all these, like watching full house back? Yeah, right. Look at all these dads. Right. Never seen so many dads before. Um, but then when I was about nine or 10 years old, you know, I, I started kind of understanding that other people had families um, who who weren't like this and didn't function like this. And um, because she would disappear, I would be I would be heartbroken and terrified and scared. But after after this happened for years and years and years and it became normal, um, I, I was very much hardened to it. By the time I was about ten years old. Uh, or it got to the point where she would disappear and I'd be like, no, this is normal. This is, I may or may not see her again. She'll materialize a few States away, uh, in a hospital. And then, and then somebody, a doctor calls you. Is that what yeah, would happen? Yeah. Um, so she would come back from these long runs and she'd apologize and she'd say, and she'd always say, I'll, I'll never do it again. Right. I'll never do it, which is the worst thing yeah. a person in that position could say. But um, at the point, I was like, you know, don't worry about it. I, I don't assume you're ever going to be okay. And, you know, I'm okay with it. This is something I came to at 10 years old. And right. saying this to her must have broke her heart in a way that I can't even begin to imagine. Um, and then a couple years after that, um, she uh, overdosed on a bunch of prescription pills and she had relapsed and then she took all the pills. Um, and then that was, that was it. And it was honestly a huge fucking relief. Really? Yeah. As, as terrible as that. And I struggled with that for a long time being, feeling happy I was happy with it in the same way. It was like the war was over, but I lost the war. Right. But you at know, least the war was over. at least the war is over. Um, so after that, things leveled out and my life became dramatic. Cause I mean, it was just wasn't as chaotic. I was after my mom died, I ended up living with a friend for three years, but then I was thrust into a situation where, you know, there was a family who had dinner at a regular time and they asked me about my, my day and my homework. Right. They, they were aware that I had homework, which is right. completely novel to right. me at this point. Right. Um, so that was good. Um, and you liked that family? I did. I did. But at the same time, it was like they were the family. Yeah. I was the guy living at the house. They they did their best to incorporate me, but at the same time, it's, you know. What about your little brother? My little brother at that point moved in with, he was sure about three, and he was living with my step-grandmother, so we were split up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, he was happy with that situation. I was happy with my situation, and we saw each other a lot, but... Are you close today? Uh, not so much. My brother, surprise, also became a, a drug addict. Um, did, did he have the same dad? No. 
No, we had different dads. Um, so he is, uh, he's, he's been in and out of rehab and dealing with heroin and other stuff. And he's, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. He's, he's in a, he's in a tough position right now, but I don't want to speak about him so much if he doesn't yeah. want me to. Um, wh- and did you get sober the first time out, out of rehab? Yes. I went into rehab and I think what happened was we were sitting, the, 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 a guy came in to talk at the rehab and he started talking about numbers and he said something like, you know, 90% of the people in this room won't stay sober a year. And I thought, I'm absolutely going to be one of those people. I have to be one of those people. And also for me, my addiction manifested in the same way that my mother's did, where, you know, I, I feel like I'm this, I do believe that addiction, there's a spectrum. There's people who are just more active than others. And um, I was on the far end of that. I drank. That was my, that was my addiction. Um, that's how my addiction manifested most of the time. So, but when I would drink, I would drink like my mother. I would drink until I blacked out. I would resume consciousness and I would find wherever I hid the bottle and I would continue drinking until I blacked out again. And this was the process for months. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was whole spans of, 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 uh, my twenties that I don't remember. I would, I would remember I regained consciousness once and I'd been dating somebody. (laughs) I was like, I literally don't recognize you. How long did you been dating? I think only a few weeks, but this person comes over to my apartment and she has like food and I'm like, I don't know what you're doing here. Shut up. I swear to God. I have never seen her idea. I, she looked familiar. I had no idea who, who she was to me or, or, and she came over and I, I like she hung out for a little bit and she's like, are you okay? You're acting super weird. Cause you were just not drunk for the first time or you right. were drunk. I, I was kind of drunk. Right. Right. I was just kind of drunk. Right. For the first time in weeks. So and this is a person I had, I had been dating. It wasn't like a full on relationship, yeah. but I've been dating somebody. Well, I mean, no offense, but what's wrong with her that she's not noticing? Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I would assume she was probably in a similar situation yeah, I was in, but a little bit, a little bit less severe. <laughs> yeah, maybe the way to your house. I don't know. I think depends on what your definition of severity is, because she obviously was not in a great position. Right. Um, but because of that, because I was such a manic, crazy alcoholic, um, I feel blessed in a way where it's such a clear binary of this is what I am when I'm sober and this is what I am when I'm drunk. The drunk version of me is incapable of doing anything. Right. Not holding a job, I, I f- functioning alcoholic, whatever that means. I couldn't do whatever that was at all on any level. Right. So it was clear to me that it's like, oh, if I drank, I'm going to die. Yeah. Because I just can't. I can't do anything when I'm lost in that. Right. And I, I have, you know, I think we all know people 
who and and the, this is this is what's de- truly devastating in in my opinion is people not the people who fall off the edge immediately which is sad and tragic but the people whose lives come apart bit by bit over the course of 30 years and it's just just picking and picking and picking and it's like they go oh just a few too many drinks right. and then that continues and then it's like up oh, a few missed opportunities here up oh, a divorce here up oh. and then at the end and then you know at 65 they're sitting oh, what what happened to this life i right. could have had and it's just 60% less than they had hoped for. And right. they're just at the end of their life going, God, uh, maybe I should get sober. Yeah. And, or, and or more commonly, probably not even having that awareness right. that they missed 60% of the life that they wanted to have. Right. You know, I, I do think about that too, because the quote, you know, high functioning alcoholic, I mean, I do know what that is. That's like right. the people that are out there being lawyers and, you know, their lives are unmanageable, and, right. you know, but they're, they're managing. Mm-hmm. And I was not one of those either. And I, and I see them struggle and I see them go like, oh, you know, whatever the, the need to do the work or to stay sober doesn't feel as uh, urgent. Right, because you know they're functioning, they're paying mortgages, they were doing these things. I didn't know. I, I, I know I couldn't do. Right, and that's and that's a blessing. Were you um, a totally bananas person? No, I mean, yeah, it really does depend on your definition of totally bananas and severity, and they're <laughs> yeah. often defined together. You right, know? <laughs> totally bananas. Yeah. No one's ever asked me that, even though my nickname has been banana. <laughs> um. As an aside, I recently went to a party. This is a serious aside. This makes peanut butter look so relevant. I'm so excited for whatever you're going to say now. Because banana was the uh, pivot point. Go go for it. I went to a party, where, a ridiculous party, where you had to put a name tag on that was not your name, but either your nickname or something you wanted more of in your life. Okay, so I put banana. I don't like bananas. So so I was walking around looking like I wanted more bananas in my life. The yeah. look on your face is priceless. Oh it's like, God. it's just like, how could someone have experienced this is what your look on your face is saying. So then I told my, my friend couldn't think of a name. And I said, oh, put Beyonce. That's what you want more of in your life. And so, I mean, which is, by the way, the smartest thing I've ever thought of. Right. And then I became Jay-Z. That's my entire story. That was my name. <sighs> okay, wait. How were you Jay Z if you had banana on your shirt? I changed it. I you changed it from banana to Jay Z. Yeah, I wrote a new one. It's a name tag. Why? Well, so you abandoned banana. Yeah. You, uh, you started something you didn't finish it. I don't like bananas. Then why did you start with banana? Because that's my nickname. It's really not, but it's like I have been called that. It's as close as I come to a nickname. Yeah. How did you get the nickname banana? My name is Anna. Well, that's not. That's... That is a, such a normal nickname. Right. Well, your nickname's Anna Banana, not Banana. I have been called Banana. <sighs> you, I, I, I know. I know. It's not. I, I'm not a nickname person. Are you a nickname person? I'd rather die. Here's the thing. You're a Jay Z from now on. That's what I'm calling you for the rest. But that's of this. fine. I that's, mean, I mean, I'd I feel love like to be Jay Z, frankly. No, why don't we all? Um. So n- nobody's ever called you Billy. Grandma's calling Billy. Uh-huh. I'm. I'm a. I'm Billy to a uh, grandma's. Uh, I'm. I'm Bill to people in everyday life and i dated a girl in chicago uh she called you william she called me will <laughs> she was like this is a cooler name and she was a hairdresser she's like i'm gonna call you will i'm like all right that's kind of interesting I mean, it's kind of fun to have a name that can be so many names yeah well it's also like 
I don't feel like a Bill. It's I'm, I'm named after my grandfather. Everyone named Bill is named after the grandfather, by the way. Um, Bill, I just like? I feel like my name is Bill Dixon, and I feel like it sounds like a, a, a like a insurance broker in Does you know Youngstown, Ohio. I just don't feel like a comedian with the name. Yeah. But it has. It certainly hasn't been holding you back. Bill Dixon. No, it hasn't. I guess. <laughs> I feel like well, I want something more exotic, like I don't know, Jay Z banana or something. <laughs> but I mean, you could change. It's a little late now because you, you know you're, you know got a big career and stuff like that. But you could have done something back in the day. Right. The last guest on my podcast was named Bucky Sinister. He wasn't born with that name. Um, well, you're kidding me. I'm not. Bucky kidding. Sinister wasn't born. Bucky Sinister. Oh, I meant by him going through that now. <laughs> You, you know, there are, cra- there are crazier names that parents have given. Anyway, segue, segue, segue back to, um, let's go back a little bit to, um, okay, Philadelphia. Uh, oh, this was my question for you. Um, when, like, I'm getting serious again. Yeah. When you would see your mother drinking, were you, did you go, I'm, I'm never going to be like that? Uh, I was terrified I would be. And then somewhere around age 13 or 14, you know, you just go, fuck it. I don't yeah. care. And then you decide you're going to drive the car off the cliff. You go, I'm not going to be afraid of this thing. Right. I'm going to be different. Or I'm going to blow up. Who gives a fuck? Right. right. And so I just kind of leaned into it and started drinking. And I really liked it. Yeah. I loved it. And I was, you know, I was super fun for a couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. that turned into, you know. Here's the thing. Around college age... I feel like everyone drinks a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're just kind of following that trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere around age 22, people kind of stop. So annoying. Or it, like, falls off a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, I just kept climbing. Just kept going for it. Um, but. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? And you're like, why did my friends just get so boring? I know. Like, what is going on with you guys? Like, yeah. Chill out. But did you go to college? I did. I went to a few things. Uh-huh. Things meaning colleges or things meaning... Yeah, I went to Art Institute. I went to um, a community college. Mm -hmm. But but you can't really do a lot when you're uh, incapacitated. No. You can't get a lot done. You can't get a lot done. And obviously you are putting yourself through school, which is harder than not putting yourself through school. It's very true. Um, I'm really smart. Yeah. That's why I came to Hey, listen, conclusion. you don't end up with a nickname banana for being a dummy. <laughs> so you, um, I'd love to go into the story about your dad. Okay. So I know the story. Do you want me to just tell the story? You want to just tell the story? I'll just tell the story. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell it in a not storyteller way. Um, so after I got sober, I moved to Chicago um, because I was going to start my career as a comedian. And, um, when I got there, I had to take a job working in a real estate company. How perfect for a name like Bill Dixon. (laughs) Right. That's why they hired me. They're like, what you're white, you have khakis and your name's Bill Dixon. (laughs) You work here. You've worked here for years. Uh, so I got this job and I was working one day and I was on Facebook, and I don't know why I decided to do it, but I typed my biological father's name into the Facebook search bar, and then he popped up, because he's a guy on Facebook. Yep. Because everyone's just a guy on Facebook. Yep. 
And so I click on my dad's, I think it's my dad's Facebook profile and, and, um, I'm looking at it and I don't know what to do because I hadn't thought about actually doing this. And it was like an impulsive decision to even put his name in. But so I'm looking at this guy's profile. He looks just like me. I don't know what to do. I don't want to send, what I don't want to do is I don't want to send him a message and go, Hey, where the fuck have you been my whole life? Yeah, I'm, you're my, I'm, you're my dad and I needed you. And then have him be like, I don't know who this person is. And I just like ruined somebody's week. Were you positive it was him? I wasn't sure. I was pretty sure, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure enough to ruin somebody's week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't my dad, and that's like a terrible... Or ruin their life because then they think that the rest of their life... They just life, think they have a son. Be. Right, yeah. right. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So what I did do was I went through this guy's Facebook friends and found people with the same last name. And I messaged a woman named Margarita. And I said, uh, hi, this is Bill. Uh, you probably don't know who I am, but you're friends with this guy named Martin on Facebook. Uh, I wonder if maybe he fell in love with a woman in rehab around 1983 and then they had a kid together and then maybe he disappeared. Anyway, I hope you're having a nice week. Uh, write me back. Here's my phone number. And then five minutes later, I got a phone call and it's the woman, Margarita, Margarita going, Billy, Billy, this is your aunt Margarita. I remember dancing salsa with you in the living room. Um, I'm half Puerto Rican. And you didn't know that. Uh, I did know that, but I didn't know how Puerto Rican. It's like, it's like knowing you're half Irish and then calling somebody and them going, oh, it's me, Lucky Charms. You're like, oh, no. This is super. Well, half is half. Half is half. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. It's yeah. a, as far as percentages go, yeah. it's almost more than half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still taken aback because I wasn't expecting them to be that Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which sounds racist. I can say it because I'm Puerto Rican. You can say whatever you want. I can say whatever I want. You don't, can I say you don't look Puerto Rican at all? Is that racist? I don't know. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Just... Puerto Ricans don't even, they're kind of whitish. Right, right. Sometimes. Anyway, so I, I'm on the phone with this woman and she says, uh, you know, your dad lives in Puerto Rico now. And I was like, Cool. She's like telling me like dancing salsa with me in the living room when I was a kid, and I was like, you know, whatever. You ever think to like uh, look for me at all? And she goes, I swear to God, she says, um, you know, your photo still hangs in your grandmama's house, and every time we walk past it, we always go, whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to him? So crazy. Like. You know how you feel when you see like a Pauly Shore VHS like somewhere in your house? You go, whatever happened? Like, yeah. That's how my family feels about me. I'm like, whatever happened to him? And so I was like, so taken aback and, and I, I didn't know what to do at that point in terms of like if I want to reach out to my dad or not. And I said, I told Margarita, I go, look, I don't know what I want to do. Just please don't tell my dad I was looking for him. And I just want to take some time with us. She said, sure. Hung up the phone. Five minutes after that, my Facebook notifications start going off, and my biological father has been taking photos from my photo album on Facebook, and has started his own album called People I Care About Very Much. Hasn't talked to me yet. Hasn't, no, yeah. no friend request, by the way. Yeah. Just 
people I care about very much. And, and um, it's only you in it. It's only me. And it's a bunch of captions that say, my little William doing this, my Billy doing this, my Billy doing that. Uh, hasn't talked to me in 20 years. And then I get a message from him and it says, um, the first message he sends to me after 20 years is, love the pics, would love to see more. Didn't spell out the word pictures, which is fine. Um, and I got so angry, you know? I got angry. Um, I got angry that he's so, uh, love the pics, you know? Oh, whatever happened to him? Nice. Just this kind of, oh, weird. Interesting to run into you here. You know, after everything I'd been through, after he disappears and my lunatic mother, you know, drags me from town to town and uh, she kills herself and then I have to deal with my own shit. Then I have to go through rehab and I have to go at this thing alone. I have to, you know, have some adult man that I've met a half dozen times show me how to tie a tie before my senior prom because I don't have a dad. And I think about all this and I get very angry because fuck you. <laughs> and so I write him back and I um, really just let go. I unleash. I say all the things I wanted to say for years. Like, um, like, especially with, you know, the Facebook stuff. It's like, how dare you walk into my life, take responsibility for a thing you didn't help build. Right. No, I learned how to tie a tie on my own. I learned how to change a tire, you know. I've kissed a girl and I did that without your counsel and I don't need it now and don't you dare take responsibility for me in any way and um, fuck you and you're a piece of shit and you're a real fucking loser and um, I hope you've lived a life free the burden of child support. I hope that was fun for you and P.S. Mom is dead and then I hit send. Mm. Um and that felt good for a little while, for like an hour. And a few hours go by. And then that anger starts to dissipate, and you're kind of left with yourself and your decisions. And um, then I started to worry that maybe that was impulsive, that in the same way he was impulsive and left me, in the same way my mom was impulsive and killed herself, this guy reached out and I shit all over him. And uh, I got nervous about maybe this is just my addiction manifesting in, in other ways. And that's the thing I, you know, we all deal with. Just, mm -hmm. you know, just because you stop whatever drug it is you're doing or whatever thing it is you're drinking, you're still an addict. Yeah. I'm still a fucking addict. Yeah. I last my stomach feels messed up today because i ate all the thai food last night in the I, world? I should have stopped and i ate all the thai food last night what is all the thai food in all of it in los angeles there's no more left i'm sorry <laughs> i saw some today and everyone you didn't see any today it was a lie it was a fabrication someone lied to you yeah um yeah anyway these are all the things that we like continually deal with it's whack-a-mole it's like yeah fucking chocolate cake it's porn it's sex it's whatever the thing is in front of you um so I'm thinking and, about an anger and anger and whatever, ever, whatever thing feels good. Anger is a great one. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, that's, that's the thing I latched onto in that moment. Um, cause there's like nothing better than being angry. It's a, yeah, I get to climb on a soapbox. I get to be better than people. Does it still feel that good? It always, it's like itching, um, poison ivy scratch was like right when it's happening it's like there's nothing better than this thing and then it stops and you're like this just exacerbated or an already bad situation see i don't feel like that really no no i mean i was the angriest person ever before i got sober and can i ask you something yeah do you think it's because your nickname was banana (laughs) i never connected those dots well that's why i'm here um here, I thought I was interviewing you, but really, this is about bringing me to the point where I understand my entire life. Yeah. That's... No, I think I was just, I was born angry. You know, my dad was really angry. And um, so it was both, you know, genetic and conditioned, I think. Like, I saw that that was okay, apparently, to get really angry at people. Yeah. And, um, you know, and for me, I, I also, you know, I'm on a medication that helps with a lot with that. Yeah. And then um, and then getting sober. and And so now... Anger feels terror. I feel such shame the second I get angry, mm-hmm. which is good because it can often stop me in my tracks, but it also still feels bad. Even just the, just the tiniest glimpse of it. Right. You know? Also, you're allowed to be angry sometimes. Yeah, you are. But I, um, you know, I think it's a little bit like cocaine. I can't afford it because mm-hmm. I don't because it, it feels so bad. And yeah. I and I and I do. I think I do it inappropriately. Not that there's a, it's not a great analogy. It's not like there's a, are you like a, are you a window smasher? Are you a hurler of things at windows? I've never pushed even anybody in my life. Oh, wow. All, but like brilliant verbal, like just cutting, just, oh God, just scorched earth tactics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm so skilled at it that it's really dangerous. Yeah. But I don't, I, you know, I really don't do it anymore. But anyway, so back to it felt good and then it felt bad. Yeah. And then it, yeah, it felt good and then it felt bad. And then, um, I kind of dwelled in that for a few weeks and then I got a phone call from, um, my cousin, um, who I've never met before on my dad's side of the family. And this is a person I hadn't talked to, but I was reconnected with through Margarita. And um, she's about my age. And she says, uh, do you know why your dad lives in Puerto Rico? And I say, no, I don't. And um, she tells me, uh, she goes, you know, your dad molested me when I was two years old. And so he left. And... um, that was that helped me to a certain degree uh, as as terrible and horrifying as that is it helped me realize that i'm not him right and that is uh, very very important because you you know if you're an addict who's come from addicts you spend your entire life fleeing from the idea of ever being them and uh you're not. We're not. Right. We look like them. Sometimes we talk like them, but we are our own person with our own history. And um, it helped me realize that who I am is much more than the uh, DNA right. that's in my body. And as terrible as some parts of my childhood were, it has crafted me into 
as the oldest cliche, but has made me the man that I am. And, um, you know, and that as terrible as what he did was, it helped me realize that I'm not him and that, you know, he did the one lesson he did end up teaching me at the end of the day was that I was my own person. And, um, so I'm grateful to him for that. He never wrote me back. <laughs> I have um, a kind of uh, a margarita will reach out from time to time and uh, other other people on that side of the family. Um, but yeah, I never heard from him and that's okay. Right. You know, that's not, he really, he was never my dad. He's my father. He was never my dad. Right. So he's a he's a guy who brought me into this world, and then he he after that he kind of uh, disappeared. So can't 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 do much. I, there's no good way to bring it back to that the fantastic line from the show that you have. Oh, it, it just God. won't work. It won't work. It won't no. land now. No, it won't. <laughs> But I will say, you're still hearing about it from people. Oh, I do. Uh, should I just say it? Should you, it's, I, I'm concerned that the way I brought it back isn't going to work. But try it. Yeah. Okay. So in this in the show <laughs> in the show version, what I say is, you know, my dad taught me that I'm not him because I would never do that to a kid. That being said, maybe I just haven't met the right toddler yet, and that's very possible. And see, folks uh, who perform, that that gets a huge fucking laugh in a very somber part of a story, and it feels very forced in this moment. It does, but, but it, it's still, <laughs> and it's all my fault. But but it, but it, it made as the person running the show, I got so tense. You know, because I'm just like, oh, God, how is this going to land? You know, and yeah. I sort of, and then just immediate, because it's the re- the relief. Yeah. The, holy shit, that's a risky line. Yeah. And it worked, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm still here. And it works like 80% of the time. Yeah, but that's When 20%. it doesn't work, whoo, yeah. it's a, it lands tough. I'm digging back out, but it's okay, because it's for me. Yeah. It's my story. Yeah. And it's yeah. very funny for me. I did um, The Moth storytelling show and i had that line in the story and they're like oh no you can't say that oh you do because you tell them the story ahead of time yeah yeah and i kept that oh you cut it or you yeah yeah for the for them they they asked for they're like can you please just not do that i'm like that's fine right that's okay you did the moth here in la yeah and i'll be in des moines oh uh when does this come out realistically three weeks okay Will, will you have been in Des Moines already? I think. Uh, Doing a moth thing? Yeah. <laughs> if this is out before April 13th, which it probably won't be. Yeah. Is that, and so I didn't realize, so is, does Dan Kennedy, does he do that? Does he travel around with the moth? I He's just a guy. We follow each other on Twitter. It doesn't matter. Um, but so you're doing moth stuff around. Yeah. I kind of just thought it was in L.A. and New York. I didn't even know. Mm-mm, it's all over. But I should say, because I've never talked about it on this podcast, this 
show we keep referencing is After Party has a storytelling show. And if you live in Los Angeles and you have not been, I'm not really sure what your problem is because it's so good. It's so incredible. It was really great. It's the third Friday of every month at a place called Open Space Cafe, which is in West Hollywood. That's West Hollywood, not Hollywood. And it's on, it's right next to Cantor's, iconic Cantor's. And we have uh, three people who've written stories for the site who who tell the story version. And then we get mm-hmm. special guests and Bill was a special guest. It's such a good show. It was really good. The crazy thing about that show is it keeps getting better and better. And I had a storytelling show for years and that was not the case. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's a really good show. It's a really great venue that's not too big a room. And we keep filling it. And that's a huge... That's yeah. the hardest thing about performing, don't you think, is worrying about the crowd? Always. And not even the crowd, the size of the crowd right. for me. Yeah. But it was a great crowd. And it's all people who are very in this world yeah. that we're talking in right now. And yeah. all very, very cool people. And very new to the world for the most part. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because a couple rehabs bring their people. Oh, wow. So, you know... Oh, that's I've, great. Yeah. And so literally they'll come up afterwards and just go, I had no idea sobriety could be funny. I didn't know you could laugh at yourself. I just... This is so eye-opening. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so cool. We're doing God's work is what my point is. You really are, banana. <laughs> Dana Jay-Z. <laughs> what, um, w- one thing I did want to touch on, because you said before uh, we started that, like, you, you I, and I, I know this, I, I was just feeling comfortable interested, but, like, you were a drinker, but you did N.A. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and that is, like, when I first got sober, there was a lot in, like, Chapter of the Agnostic and mm. AA and, and just... Um, some of the stuff that didn't jive with me as well being an atheist and um, also I liked the idea of um, my problem I didn't feel like my problem was alcohol my problem was my addiction and it just the language was a little different and a little broader which was helpful for me in helping resolve other because uh, it wasn't just about alcohol it wasn't my problem isn't when I drank my problem is me Mm-hmm. This is the thing in my brain, and I don't think alcohol is evil, and I don't think that it's it just doesn't jive with. But just like the Thai food last night didn't jive with me, mm-hmm. it's like I regret that decision. It's not. It's certainly not as bad as you know drinking a handle of rum or whatever. Um, but for me, uh, and it was also this group of of people that. I met right uh, in rehab that just transitioned me in, into that. And, um, and also I, I, you know, had done Coke and pills and everything else. And, right. and so, um, the community in the area that I was in also a little more my age bracket in just the Pennsylvania, um, uh, area. It mm-hmm. just, it, I just, I just, uh, it's just what I landed into. Mm-hmm. But frankly, it's wherever you are, it's, better than out there so yes. it's not like i don't want to be disparaging at all i go to I, i'm back in aa right now actually i have an aa sponsor and working the steps of aa just because in los angeles it's kind of like yeah it's it's really interesting wherever you are in the country how different meetings can be it is in different whatever your fellowship is it's it's so interesting and so funny um like I've been to AA meetings in Wisconsin where they're just like, listen, I don't care what they say. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. 
and everyone starts <laughs> applauding. I'm like, all right, <laughs> it's just fine. Uh, it just, it's very funny. Well, in the general demeanor too, I've been to meetings in London and um, in New Zealand and man, it's depressing. Really? Well, I th- the weather was bad. Yeah. I'm very influenced by the weather. And, um, oh, I just got a really nice um, email from a New Zealand listener to shout out oh, to him. Holla. So he seems very happy with it all. <laughs> but I just, my perception, having sort of like, quote, grown up in, in AA in LA, was that it was just very much like, I don't try accents because you wouldn't know what I was doing. But like, so I'm not even going to try. But the vibe just sort of being like, well... Life sucks, but it sucked a little more before. You right, know, right. that was sort of, there wasn't a lot of joy in, right. in the meetings that I went to. I find LA, as as a person who sampled across the country yeah. meetings, I find LA's a little uh, performative. A little bit, probably. Yeah, which is fun, though. People yeah. are like, really, because it's full yeah. of actors and comedians. and Yeah. And, uh... It's just different. It is. I mean, I will admit that, that the shares are real perfect. Yeah, yeah. When I share, I just really try. I make an app like in the same way that we're having this conversation right now. And I just told you a story that I have a story about. Yes. And trying to make it not that story. Right. Because it's got too much polish on it. And you, right. can, you can smell the polish on it. Right. And it feels contrived sometimes, especially since you've heard the story before. No, right. And I feel very weird right, right, landing right. jokes in front of you that are like, <laughs> like this is... You know, I was so, so aware weird. of that too, but I felt as as the person sitting here that I could I could both be me experiencing it, and then I try to always think of the listener, and I'm like, I don't know if I was just hearing that, I would think that just rolled off his tongue. I really, except for the whole thing where I made you say the line, that was, <laughs> that was, that was a little obvious. Really fun, but but, but yeah, it is it is hard, you know, to. Uh, you know, to being authentic, it's taken me, I think, many, many years in recovery to be, to like not plan the share. Right. I know? do that. I still do that. Yeah. It's I still do it. Like somebody says something and like in the back of my head, yeah. sometimes I'm just going. Clock that. Yeah. Remember good. that. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that. Yeah. I'm going to bounce off that. I'm going to do this and I'll heighten here and I'll, I'll, I'm building a story. I'm a writer. Yeah. This is what I'm doing in my head. And a lot of times, and for those listeners who maybe go through that, uh, just put your fucking hand up and so what? Yeah, say, exactly. Say, yeah, but what I like to do is, I'll, if I feel like I'm in that space, I make sure to not write anymore in my head, and I just put my hand up. Yeah, and say the thing. Yeah, just just so then I can purge myself of of my ego and um, hopefully be able to share something that's real and sincere, but then also be able to listen. Yeah, because when you're writing in your head and you're planning your the thing you're going to say, what you're not doing is listening. Right. What you are doing is constructing some kind of thing to serve your ego. Right. A lot of times. Right. At least that's what I do. I'm very guilty of that. Yeah. No, do me too. It's interesting because I haven't thought about this in a long time. Uh, that used to sort of rule me and I would say I'm quote unquote better. Like I don't actually, like now I'm just talking about yeah. yesterday. And I mean, this is so embarrassing. Right. Yesterday in a meeting, there was a speaker and, um, and then I shared later, like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I really thought I got something deep. Like I really, and yeah. there were nods and I was like, everybody gets that. I yeah. just threw out some deep, crushing, yeah, shit. Yeah. like, and then the guy who shared after me talked about 
um, how much he'd gotten out of the meeting because of the speaker. And I was actually mad. Totally. Like, I was just like, well, I don't understand. Like, he's just <laughs> pretending I didn't say the most amazing stuff just oh now. Oh, my God. It's classic banana. It's But come on. You've experienced that. Totally. Yeah. And then you, look, I'm a stand-up comedian. And there's... N- there's no fucking difference between being a stand-up comedian and like going to meetings. It's like they're the same kind of. First off, the same exact kind of people. Well, the, the very interesting. The same people. The same people. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. But if there is a difference, of course, there's a difference. Not really. Really? Not really. It's all. We're all searching for something. We're all trying to get better. Yeah. But don't you go like, oh, wow, that will serve me throughout my day and not really have that experience in comedy. I've had religious experiences watching stand-up comedy as well as in meetings. What does that mean to an atheist? Uh, It means having profoundly – I use that very loosely as in something that makes you feel one with the universe. Right, right. Um, Feeling connected. And I think that's that's the – that's the juice, man. That's the stuff. Right, right. When you can feel connected to people and humanity. Yeah. And be okay. Yeah. You feel that, that feeling of, of being present yeah. and okay. What else do you do to feel that way? Um, I perform. I write. I also take, I try to take time to when I'm like losing myself in my bullshit and kind of like chasing that stuff in my head, I take time to go just be present for a minute. You know, whether it's like tapping your own leg, Mm. letting you know I'm a person. This is me. This is me, the person Mm. I'm here. I'm present. Um, stand up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause you gotta be in the moment. I mean, you don't have to be. And right. that was, that's really right. bad when you're not. Right. When you start reciting stuff. Right. But um, when I'm creating, when I'm building stuff, whatever that is, when I'm working on a joke, when, right. I'm, when I'm helping people, right. when, you're, when you're doing something right. good, you know, that's how I keep it together. What, um, and speaking of performing, you have a, we have a weekly show here, a monthly show. Uh, you have a regular show. Yeah, Are you yeah. I have a I have a show. At, it's twice a month. It's at the Improv. It's called the National Midnight Society. Uh-huh. And comedians come in and they try new or experimental material. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun. You get to see people who are great. Like Dimitri Martin will come in with his notepad and just try stuff for his new special. Uh, Anthony Jeselnik comes in a lot and tries new stuff. Mar- uh, Maria Bamford comes in a lot. Um, it's just a, it's a good time and a fun, fun thing if you like to watch um, the process mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. watch and watch your favorite comedians. So is it the second? How how it's that bounces around. Friday, if you go okay. to the uh, the Hollywood Improv's website, you can find. Is it not on your site? Dates. Uh, it is. You can also follow me on Twitter at Bill Dixonish, and I post about my shows all the time. And your website, I feel like it's Bill Dixon me. Nope, BillDixonish.com. Why did I? Where did I get the dot me? That's no. In, oh, your email. That's, that's it's my your, email. Yes. Perfect. Just announced my email. <laughs> I didn't. If BillDixon.me is not going to get anybody anywhere. No, that's very true. 
Uh, Bill underscore Dixon at me.com if you want to send me emails directly. But seriously, why would, why would no, that not be lovely? Matter. There would be no, people... You know what? Email him and tell him how much you liked him on this show. Oh, God. I'm so terrified. Why not? And you also... You write for the television. I write for television things. Um, Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch. Um, the Will Wheaton Project on Sci-Fi Channel when it was on. Um... And a celebrity name game with Craig Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Currently. And what network is that on? Uh, Craig Ferguson things all over the place. CBS is in syndication. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Jane Lynch is on NBC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know nothing. Well, this pretty much, you know, wraps it up over here. Um, you know, obviously we need to circle back to Madonna and peanut butter, but is there anything that you want to add? Tell listeners, tell anybody about yourself. Um, I'm more of an almond butter kind of guy. I guess if you leave here with anything, said I'm just almond butter and I like bananas. So that was Bill Dixon. This is After Party Pod. You can find us at iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are not sold. And uh, if you want a free copy of our ebook, How I Got Sober, uh, it's uh, all you got to do is email info at theafterpartygroup.com and we will send you a link to that. Until next time, I'll see you.